Welcome to the Outside Inside Radio Hour, a volunteer-produced project brought to you by Prison Arts Collective. Prison Arts Collective is founded on the belief that art is a human right and is dedicated to bringing the transformative power of the arts to people experiencing incarceration. Our collaborative teaching teams include faculty, students, and staff, and our classes include art making, art history, reflection, and the cultivation of a safe space. We are based in the School of Art and Design at San Diego State University and have additional chapters at three CSU campuses, San Bernardino, Fresno, and Fullerton. Prison Arts Collective is a project of Arts and Corrections, an initiative of the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. The Outside Inside Radio Hour is a way for us to communicate with our participants and with the wider public through video and other media as an extension of our distance learning project created in response to COVID-19. Each of our guests is a return resident who continues to pursue a creative life. Today we're going to be interviewing Ezekiel Gonzalez, who is currently sharing his skills by teaching community art classes. Um, he is mostly a painter and he believes in transformation through art. Hey, Ezekiel. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good, having a good time here. Great, well, so you've been teaching in Mexico, right? Yes. That's cool. Um, so when, have you always been a painter? No, I have been uh, painting for eight years now. Okay, so how did you get started? So I got started in 2013, around that time, I believe, in Chino, with uh, my art teacher and mentor. And it all happened when I was walking by a cell and I saw this huge painting of a Bango tiger. And I was just fascinated by his level of skill. And he offered to teach me and I took on the offer and I've been painting since. So were you creative at all before that or was that like your first experience with doing art? Yes, I was actually doing paper, flower, uh, paper flowers before that when I was in the juvenile detention center waiting to be sentenced. Oh, wow. Okay. So was that something that they, they offered you or was that something that you just kind of like did on your own? I picked that up from another uh, fellow inmate. So I saw this guy making these paper flowers to impress a girl. And I was very fascinated as to how fast he moved his fingers. So I paid attention to the steps. And when I got back to the dorm, I tried it myself. Then I introduced different kinds of color paper and I started doing paper flowers since. Did it take you a while to learn? Yes, actually, there's actually a little method to cutting the paper. If you don't cut it properly, then you don't get little round circles to make the petals. Did it work to impress the girl? <laughs> he impressed the girl, and he impressed me too, though I don't think that was his purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though. I mean, like, it was for one thing and then ended up teaching you as well. Um, so when you saw the painting of the tiger, what was it um, about it that made you want to learn? It was just how realistic it looked. And because he told me you could do it. He believed in me without even seeing who I was and what I was about. And at that time, I was struggling with a lot of low self-esteem issues and insecurity issues. So for somebody to say you could do something, that was big. That was big for me at that time. I also think about 19, 20 years old. So that was, that was something pretty big for me. Well, that's, that's young. Um... Did you end up becoming a realist painter or um, do you work in like more of an abstract style or what did you end up doing once you developed your own style? 
So now I'm exploring with uh, abstract expressionism, surrealism. Uh, I'm very open to different styles. Uh, I actually started picking this up with Cal State San Bernardino, uh, the community-based art program, personal collectives. And that's where I really started learning a little bit more about different styles and started applying to myself. I became bold and it's a different form of expressing myself. And really enjoy the process and I'm currently doing the same thing right now. That's really cool. Do you have any favorite artists? It's the artist that I disliked the most for so long because of my ignorance of not knowing who he was and what he stood for, and that is Pablo Picasso. So when I used to see his work and how much it sold for, I thought it was ridiculous. I said, I can't do this. However, through the Prison Art Collectors program in one of the art history classes, I learned what his painting stood for, the movement that he started for everybody to be freely accepted in the art community. And he became my favorite artist once I learned about him. That's really cool. So what did, what did you think of him before you learned that? What, what was it like? <laughs> <laughs> like? Anybody could do this. I could get my little sister to do this. She could do it like nothing. Why is this guy getting paid so much money to do a little uh, chicken scrap? It's kind of like the stereotype, right? Like we see someone and we're like, okay, he looks like this. He looks like that. He's wearing this. He's wearing that or he's from this culture, this ethnicity, et cetera. But we don't know who that person is. And once we learn who that person is, it's like this fascination behind getting to know someone. And I saw that kind of connection behind Pablo Picasso. I love that. Um, I think that's one of the coolest things about looking at art and learning about artists is kind of learning who the person is behind the work yeah. and like how much it adds to it. Um, so, do you use your work at all to kind of convey personal experiences or do you just kind of like paint things uh, that you find visually appealing? Both. I actually do both. I do a lot of uh, commissions for portraiture. However, like I'm currently participating in an art show in Pomona and the Da Center of the Arts, which will be taking place this month. And for me, it's like being able to being able to learn about this is, is, is amazing, you know? And being able to express myself through those pieces has really helped me a lot. And not just always copying something, but being able to express a piece of myself. And that's what I did in this art show, which is called Resilience. Resilience? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I've, I've heard thing. of the DA and I've been there and they're a wonderful organization. Are there any other mediums that you work in? So besides paper, uh, flowers, um, I focus a lot on abstract expressionism uh, using acrylic, but I mainly use acrylic and oil. Those are the two main mediums I work with. Is there um, something that you like about one versus the other? Mm, I think they both have their pros and cons. There's things I could do with acrylic that I could not do with oils and vice versa. So. I think I like them both equally, depending on what I'm doing too. What do you prefer to do with each one of them? With acrylic, because it has a rough finish. I like to do a lot of marine lines, seascapes, etc. With oils, I like to do portraitures. So I usually start with acrylic and finish with oil, but when I do a seascape or other subjects like that, I usually leave the acrylic and do not add oil to it. 
That's cool. And yeah, so you can do, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can do oil on top of acrylic, but you can't do acrylic on top of oil, right? Essentially, that is a theory I violated all the time. Oh, really? So you've managed to make it yeah. work? Mm, nothing bad has happened so far. I, mean, I don't know if it'll deteriorate in 20 years from now, but I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know the complexity behind it. I love that though. Like, that's really cool that you just experimented with it anyway, even though it's kind of like something that they tell you is a rule. <laughs> it's really important when you're playing with different mediums. So when you're doing portraiture, I know you said you do commissions, but when you decide to do a portrait that's not necessarily a commission, what is it that you are looking for in your sitters? So, I mean, one of the portraits I did for an art show with the Inside Art Art Program with Urban Mission Community Partners, I did a portrait that depicted a kid screaming, covering his ears. And that image was just powerful because I was able to relate to it. And it was uh, also, I was able to collaborate with a lot of artists in prison. And it was about trauma and how we overcame that trauma. So I depicted that because that's how I felt growing up. It was like a kid covering his ears, screaming. And that's how I felt my whole life. So that's where I looked for in that image, that expression that showed that emotion. And when you painted it, were you still feeling a lot of that? Um, do you still feel a lot of that as an adult? Well, no, not as a, not, not anymore because I was already healing from those traumas from the past. So there's these things where we get triggered as, uh, not just as inmates, but as people. However, in recovery, we are taught skills and techniques to be able to manage this traumas, these triggers that are that are rising as they come along. And it's just uh, it's those tools that I I use so I wouldn't feel re-victimized at the end of the day. What are some of the tools that you use to do that? My to-go-to is called the grounding technique, where you take a deep breath, you hold it for like two seconds, you let it out, and then you take another deep breath and count to three, and you let it out, and when you're excelling, you count to three, and you go on like that all the way to you count to 10, and then you count backwards. And it does take a little bit of time, but it really, really takes that oxygen level to the brain and helps me relax a lot. Yeah, so it helps you regulate like your body and then like your, your brain follows, kind of. Yes. That's cool. Um, what was it that, what was it about um, art making and exploring, um, you know, trauma and the, the ways that you come out of it? How did art making help you do that? So for me, it was kind of like that therapeutic aspect of it because art really gave me an outlet to be able to just relax and express more emotions without talking about them necessarily but really just letting those emotions flow out through my brush, through the way I paint it, my brush strokes, all those things played a big role. And that's where I feel my healing journey started too, within art. Were you surprised that you were able to access those emotions through art in ways that you couldn't, like through talking about it? Yes, yes, because it's interesting, it's kind of like a taboo thing, I would say. And where people don't always talk about it. 
but it's there. It's real. And when it comes to art, it's, words are not really necessary. It's like the painting is depicting everything. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I definitely feel that too. Um, that art making is a lot. It's a lot easier to express things if you don't have to put them into words. Yeah. So how did you start to kind of open up to that um, in the space of like creating art with other people? Did, was, it, was it easier to open up with fellow artists as well? Well, because I was already in a lot of rehabilitation groups, it was already becoming uh, like second nature to open up. And a lot of the guys that I was teaching were also involved in rehabilitation groups. So it was much easier to have this dialogue uh, because it really helped us share our experiences and it helped other people open up to those experiences. So that's kind of like, that's a, a lot of vulnerability with a lot of different people. Um, did you find that it got exhausting ever? Well, no, I feel like everybody in prison was so excited to share their journey that it became like, like I said earlier, second nature. It's like everybody's so eager to share their experience, their story, that it created a much more richer dialogue. Was there anybody, um, you know, without getting too specific about names or anything like that, was there anybody whose story really changed the way that you thought about interacting with people? So, yes. I want to say my mentor's family was always open about it. And just every time he told his story and the way he told it, it was very inclusive for other people to be able to open up and tell their story. Did you kind of follow his example when you started teaching art classes or do you have um, like a different style that's more of your own? I really uh, learned a lot from his style, but I also started developing my style. And what would you think is like the main, the main difference or like the main thing that uh, you would kind of define the way that you teach? So when he paints, he paints from light to dark. I paint from dark to light. That's one of the things that distinguishes us. And another thing too is I'm more loose. I could be like, okay, I'm done with that painting. And not focus so much on the photorealism and give him own little twist and get away from the picture. Stan focuses on the picture, photorealism down to the T, which is amazing to me. It takes a lot of discipline. And I don't know that I have that discipline. I just accept it as I'm done. I'm okay with the way it looks. <laughs> Do you find that that's less intimidating for your students um, to have that like looser style where like you don't necessarily have to be perfect? Okay, here's where my hypocriticism part comes in. <laughs> When I teach art, I tell guys what Stan told me, make it look just like a picture. So I instill that in them because when Stan instilled that in me, it really helped me practice different techniques and it really helped me push myself even further in the realism. So I passed on that message. I did not take it away in the way I taught. I later on, when my students would become my art partners because they, at one point they stopped becoming my students and more like my art partners. Then I started suggesting, find your own style. Be a little bit loose. Have fun. It's okay. They're like, but you said we have to stick to the picture. I'm like, it's okay. 
<laughs> class is over. It's time for you to just be you. That's great. I think that's really great that you made sure that they had the fundamentals down first before experimenting. Um, do you feel like it made it easier for them to start experimenting later if they had kind of the basics down before that? Yeah, I think so, because it really helps us give life to whatever shape we're doing. Uh, I feel like without the elements, um, it just depends on each artist. If you want to do a splatter on the painting, do a splatter on the painting. If you want each splatter to look three-dimensional uh, three and you want to create a crevice within one of those splatters and have a worm coming out of it, then the foundations of, of what Stan has taught me comes into play with it. So there's like, it's so diverse and I want people to have the, that option and that they stuck to the normal, the standards. How does somebody go from being your student to being one of your collaborators? So it, it usually started when we were um, painting in the weekdays in the gym and CIM. And we started doing art shows for the community where we donated our artwork to raise funds for victims of crime with the Inside Out Art program. Like I started encouraging them, like you could do this. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't think I could do this. It's gonna go to a gallery. And I said, who cares? Look at Pablo Picasso's work, he's amazing. You could do it too. So it's like trying to encourage people and then they start doing it. And then they become my partners. And I've always saw them as equals, not as lesser or not as greater. I just thought that I always had a bigger responsibility to them because I had to guide them. So the art shows um, that you guys did, did you have a hand in curating it and have a say in like what the show was going to be about? Or was it mostly like open call uh, group submission type shows? Well, those shows, we would get together and we would discuss what would be our theme. So we are collaborating, all the guys that I would get involved. And yes, I was usually coordinating the art shows and curating the art shows without even realizing I was doing it. I was just getting all these guys together. We were coming up with ideas, we were brainstorming, and then we all agreed together on one theme. And when we did it, everybody painted. I prepared the canvas, I cut the canvas, pulled out the art supplies and everything. And once the uh, pieces were done, I would wrap them up and box them up and give them to the outside coordinator. That's really cool. And I feel like that's funny because I've heard that from a lot of people that you don't really notice you're curating until you've already done it. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> what have been kind of like the most, um, the best and then also the most challenging parts of being a teacher? I would say the best is being able to see one of my students finish a painting and send it home and tell me how they, that painting getting there, build a better relationship with their families. A lot of these guys in prison have violated that relationship. Understandably so, we victimize people, we committed crimes, we victimize our own family and ourselves. So for them to be able to come back and say, I'm having a better relationship with my family because of that painting, that makes it like very rewarding. Like I, I rather hear that than receive a payment for teaching a class.
That's wonderful. Cause yeah, I mean, even if it's not, even if whatever you did wasn't directly toward your family, it is, it's hard losing someone to being in prison. And I think that's wonderful that it can help kind of like repair um, those wounds a little bit. Yeah, that is part of mending those relationships. So what do you find is the most challenging part or the most difficult thing that you've had to uh, kind of get past? I would say when one of the guys gets discouraged because he feels that he cannot do something and I try to encourage him best I can and they still don't see that they, they're good enough and not being able to get him out of that rut and then they quit. I've had a lot of guys quit. And that's the toughest part. And I would always try to encourage them. I would see them, hey, come on, man, that painting is waiting for you. You're doing good. And someone would come back, someone wouldn't. But just trying to encourage someone who has reached a point that they feel that they're not good enough, to me, that was the most difficult part. Was that a really common reason that people would drop out was like insecurity? I believe so, because a lot of us in prison have those internal issues that are not being resolved or that are in the process of being resolved. And a lot of guys are like, man, I'm just not good enough. And when I hear that, it just crushes me. Has anybody ever come back after quitting? Yeah, I had a lot of guys that came back. And when they came back, they came back with an interesting passion with this, I'm not giving up attitude. And I think that's always fascinating. When they do stay or when they do come back, what is it, like other than art skills, what is it that you're hoping to kind of pass on to people? Like what, what wisdom do you feel like you have that you really want other people to have that helped you? Just having that sense that like, I can do this. I'm worthy of this. Do you think it's hard um, for people to really feel that? I mean, you can kind of, you can say it, um, but do you, do you think it's hard for people to truly feel that deep down? Yes, and that's, like I said, um, there's guys dealing with a lot of things, being abandoned by family, just not having no one there for them, not getting a letter in the mail, and all those things pile up after some time. Not being able to get on the collect call phones and call family to tell them what they're doing. Those things affect people mentally and emotionally. And it sadly does affect their performance. I believe so. And when I see that, it's like, there's nothing, and this is the interesting part because there's nothing we could do for someone like that unless they're willing to be, to allow someone to help them in that area because if not if they're not willing and they're allowing themselves to be sucked down by that those thoughts and those negative feelings then it's really it's really up to them Like we could continue to encourage them which is something i've always focused on but they need to be willing to accept that encouragement yeah that's really important um kind of taking it upon yourself to move forward like that um so you were you were there pretty recently. Um, were you were you there during the increased um, 
like lockdown and social isolation things because of the pandemic? Yes, I just got out about two, two months ago, three months ago. Oh, wow. So much too much to be three months this month. Awesome. Congratulations. That's, that's awesome. I'm sure that feels really good. <laughs> Thank you. I, could, could I give you a picture of what I'm literally going through right now as I'm coming to the realization? Is that, is that okay? Of course. Yes, please do. So this is my first time coming to Ensenada. I came here with two friends. We're actually having some seafood right now. And I'm literally walking around with this phone. There's the beach in front of me. There's a lot of boats in front of me. There's this beautiful walkway. And just right this second, as I realized, I just got out almost three months ago. I feel like in a aha moment, like, this is real. I'm no longer in a cell. I got a cell phone in my hand. I'm having an interesting interview. There's music playing in the background. And it's just, it's, it's just very humbling. And I feel very, very fortunate to be in this position. And I, I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. You kind of made me tear up a little bit. Um, that's really good. I haven't been to the beach in forever. You know, that's that's beautiful. I'm really glad you're having that kind of night. Um, it sounds really fun over there. You know, you can hear kind of like music and people talking and it sounds wonderful. Well, you could get on your car. Uh, COVID cases are very low over here. We'll, we'll receive you with open arms. The beach is here. <laughs> <laughs> um, did it... So did it take you kind of like a while to adjust to that idea that you are out and it is over and that you can pretty much just go where you want to go and, um, you know, see who you want to see now? It still hits me in waves. Just the other day, I was two of my students and ages nine and 10. And one of them hugged me. And I, I like a part of me got paralyzed, you know, I was like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? It's been 12 years since I've been hugged by a kid. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? So, but it was loving. It was tender. So I hugged the kid back and it was like, this is new. And it hit me of how much I've been deprived, how much I deprived myself of for the past 12 years. So it still hits me in waves. Uh, the other day I was, at a, I was taking an Uber back home. And I realized I could just tell the Uber driver, stop here. I could get out the car and I could walk. I, I, I could do that. I have that choice. I don't have to wait for the Uber to get to my destination. I can make a stop wherever I want. He might see it, move on with life. So those little things, those little moments, when I'm in the bus going to work, those little things hit me. And it comes in waves. Well, what you said about um, the kid hugging you, I think that that is a really you know, not just for being in prison, but I think a lot of people right now are feeling um, like a lack of touch. And I think that, you know, in the absence of being able to touch other people that, you know, art making is a way that you can kind of do that. Uh, you can touch people emotionally, but also like you engage your body a little bit. Um, did you feel like either teaching art or making art or talking about it sort of helped with the lack of touch when you were inside? Yes, in a sense it did. And, uh, it really did because those, the conversations that were created around there, there was some touching taking place and emotional touch. 
a caress with words, with those compliments that were given, uh, not just to me, but to other people between each other. So there is that connection there. And do you still feel that, um, do, do you feel that you're going to get that out of the show, the resilience show that you're going to be doing? Um, have you felt that kind of closeness with the other artists or with, um, you know, the people who have kind of seen the pieces yet or are setting it up? Interesting enough. So I'm here in Tecate, Baja California. And here I met an artist. His name is Shalon Romero. And he took me, he has a coffee shop at the Swami. And he took me in and we opened up a section to do art. So for this art show, I invited him. So he did four pieces of art and I did four pieces. Those are his first four paintings. And just seeing his face of saying, okay, my work is going to go to a gallery in the United States. That, to me, is touching something. Sharing with someone. Being a part of something with someone. And that is, for me, what art is about. Yeah, and I think we, I think we forget that sometimes. I think people get really caught up on, you know, what ends up in museums or what ends up selling for millions of dollars. And we forget that, like, most of art history is just artists making things together and, like, exchanging ideas with each other. And I think it's really cool that you don't seem like you're ever going to lose focus about of that part of it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I don't, I don't want to lose that focus. In fact, just last night I, I met this other artist and she's just an amazing artist. And we're thinking of collaborating together to do a piece of art. And what are we going to do with it? I have no idea what we're going to do with it. We're going to do something with it. <laughs> do you know what you're going to make yet or is it kind of still in the early stages? Well, yesterday was just the thought of we should get together to do a painting. So there's no specific planning yet. Okay. So we still have to get together and go with details. What did you like about her style when you met her? So uh, her name is Yolanda. And I like, I like the fact that she is very free. She does a lot of doodling. So... I gotta be honest here, I was a little bit judgmental. She's, she's like in her 50s. And when she was showing me her artwork, I'm like, okay, good. She has not let the child within die yet, which is awesome. That's some childlike art here. And then she started showing me some of her more serious artwork. And I, and I got this feeling of, I just did the same thing that I did with Pablo Picasso. She is a phenomenal artist, not just in the realism, but in the expressionism, the way she expresses herself. And then during the conversation, I realized, yes, that child is still alive. And as an artist, I strive for that. I strive to keep that child alive within and just keep letting them play when I'm doing art in everyday life. Why do I have to be so serious in a situation? Why do I have to act to society's norms? Why can't I just be childlike at times as an adult? And that's what I learned from her, not just through the way she expressed herself, but through her art, that doodling, which I'm like, I want to doodle now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like I, it's something that kind of fills the time. Like, yeah, like you said, it helps you stay in touch with your inner playfulness because there's like no, no right way to doodle. I mean, so that's cool. I'm glad that she still does that because I think a lot of artists kind of 
forget that that's how we all started out was just like doodling in notebooks. Yeah, sadly I didn't. I think I skipped that part. You did? <laughs> yeah, I did because the way Stan taught me, there was no doodling. There was just you have to do it right. You have to do it perfect. And I think that's the part that I need to get in touch with. And that's one of the things I'm excited about, the collaboration, to be able to just get on canvas and doodle. Like, why not? I want to doodle. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's a really interesting project idea, especially if you never got to do it, because there is, you know, there is a lot to be said for just kind of going for it and not having a plan. And it sounds like you guys are going to make some really cool art together. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I think we covered everything. Um, is there anything that you kind of want to leave people with um, at the end of this? Yeah, well, main thing is just a community-based approach of art. And it doesn't matter if you're not a professional artist, if you've never even done art, pick up a brush, pick up a pencil, especially during this pandemic, we're doing hard times, these lockdowns, this mandatory stay-in. How, how could you express yourself? How could you express what you're feeling? How could you let that out? Because that's important. And I know this times could be so depressing and so harsh on everybody. Art is a great way to not escape, but to vent and to be able to express yourself. It did it for me in prison. It did it for a lot of artists in prison doing it for a lot of people out in the community and art truly heals. I agree with you 100%. I think that's really important to remember, especially um, that you said that it's not necessarily an escape, but it is a way to vent. And I think a lot of people really need that right now. And I love that advice. Thank you for that. Thank you. All right, well, um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night. Enjoy the rest of your walk on the beach and congratulations on three months. Thank you, thank you. Uh, follow me on Instagram at easyart. I'll follow you back. Awesome, yeah, so we'll, we'll, put that, um, we'll put that up on our Instagram too for people to find you um, in case they uh, didn't get that. Do you wanna spell that out? So maybe if they don't have time to look us up, they can look you up. Yeah, it's E-Z-E. A R dot T and on Facebook is just E Z E Gonzalez. Awesome. Thank you. Thank well, you. Thank you very much for this time and this opportunity. Thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you can find further information on our Instagram at Prison Arts Collective. To find out how you can help us continue to provide our programming, please visit our website at www.prisonartscollective.com.